2: Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
0: I think like, i really, I don't know why, because during the Euros, like men's, I was really, really like just loved that whole tournament. It was amazing. Obviously the women's Euros was just like life-changing, I think for like a lot of people, but obviously like watching England win a tournament. But like as a woman, I just found that a real kind of transformative experience watching that whole thing, just absolutely loved it. This tournament, I disagreed with it going ahead anyway, so there was that. But I just couldn't really get into the England team very much. I don't know why, because like uh, well, it's not that much of a different team from the one that we watched at the Euros. But I was pretty much just supporting France the whole time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I had that horrible thing of realizing that when I was looking, I had you know, and having a sly look of what the score was without watching anything. Yeah, I I was. I was almost happy winning,
2: mm-hmm.
1: lost and I'm just like, Oh, I shouldn't feel like that. Should I? It's so, like, you no, know, Gareth, fun, Gareth Southgate is a uh, a person that I admire. You know, he, he grew yeah. up in the same town I did, went to the same school I did. Um, oh, wow. You know, former palace player and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I really like him uh, as a manager and a person, but like, I think, when you think of the kind of things that killed it, it's, it just goes down. Always goes down to the team selection for me. Yeah, and he's never really. I know, like Mitchell and Gay got caps. I know Gallagher obviously went um, and yeah. got caps well with Palace. But like, it just felt like. I mean, taking like just constantly taking the same players and yeah. favouring players that hadn't played a lot of football. And in some ways, it worked out a little bit, you know. Like with somebody like Rashford, for example, but mm. like, it just doesn't feel like the. It doesn't feel like an England team should to me. It feels like a a, a squad built picked on reputations and who you mm. play for. And there's not enough hunger in that to, that the squad, and there never is because you we, we always pick the players who've kind of got there and every time the, a hungry player young, like a young player or a player who's kind of come out of nowhere gets picked nine times out of ten they end up having a transfer shortly afterwards
2: yeah
1: yeah uh, they, they're one of the big clubs and they don't play um, yeah. you know they, but they still get picked yeah, yeah that's what that's why I've lost I just don't care about yeah. England anymore and I can't care and I can't pretend to care
2: yeah and I
1: always tell people it reminds me of and I've probably said this on the show a million times, but it reminds me of you know I grew up in I grew up in Crawley, and I went to see Crawley Town in the FA Cup play Derby County a few years back, mm. and they beat they beat Derby on a like a horrible windswept day, and it was just one of those proper FA Cup ties, and everybody was going mad, and there was a pitch invasion at the end, and <laughs> if the cameras had stayed on the pitch invasion, they would have seen me very slowly sort of clamber over a fence and straight. Walk across the centre circle, trudging in the mud, just because it was quicker to get out. Everybody else was delighted, and I could not give a shit. And I just felt empty and sad, and I just leave. I was just—you'd you, have assumed I was a Derby fan or something, but it wasn't. It just—it just, it doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. And England feels like that now, which is a real shame because yeah. it, it used to be what I cared about the most in, in football. Um, yeah, but there you go. Now it's uh, now Palace are ruining regular football for me again. <laughs>
0: um oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah
1: yeah I've, I've i've it's good to start off depressed isn't it say, <laughs> you should definitely start off start off a podcast with People, i don't it. know
0: i don't know how we're gonna pick it up though from no, I just, just bother. <laughs> I, I've,
1: i'm drinking a, a martini again you
0: know oh are you nice i've got mm. mint tea just to be boring nah. it's not gonna help with the depression is it No, not no
1: no and neither is the alcohol.
0: <laughs> yeah. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.
1: Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Review Podcast. This week it's just me and Cara. Hello.
0: Hello. How's it going?
1: Yeah. I mean, hopefully we'll have some of the unscripted chat included so people will know <laughs> just why my voice sounds this depressed. Um, but Yeah yeah so have uh, you done anything that's good. not related to football that's fun
0: um oh, I don't know. put me on the spot. My source is having yeah. a baby in a couple of weeks, so that's I mean, I don't know how much the having the baby bits fun for her, but like having a new niece or nephew would be fun for me, so yeah well um,
1: yeah, yeah, another amazing. another human mind to 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 you know interact with and influence yeah. um, in an amusing way,
0: yeah, so um, hopefully, I would say hopefully another palace fan, but they live in Leicester, so I would imagine. There's a an extra Leicester City fan coming out of there. Um,
1: we, we don't really want that, do we? No, but,
0: um, you know, but they, they other than, a bit. Yeah, you know, that's true.
1: But they did have some success. But other than that, they do they do follow a similar pattern to ourselves in the fact that they're they're good and then they're terrible. Um, on, yeah. So there you are. <laughs> How
0: about you? Yeah. So
1: <laughs> sorry, stay again.
0: Any fun stuff you're in?
1: Uh not really <laughs> but, um you know I, I still haven't got my car back uh, oh
0: god yeah what's going on with that
1: i mean i can't do you know what it's I, like the trouble is, I am, it's a, something that I'm really annoyed about, and something that I, I I could talk forever on. But it's so boring for other people that I just can't I can't really bring myself to talk about it. You know, I have a higher car replacement. I don't know when I'm going to get my car back. I'm a massive fan of electric vehicles, but it's just massively disturbed me yeah. to, to to lose my car for a long period of time and have have no real contact from anybody. So that's made me quite sad. But um, but but other than that, um, you know, I've. Uh, I had a really nice meal out the other day, so how about that?
0: Nice. That's good. And you posted something yeah. on Instagram about like a red velvet tea or something that looked interesting?
1: Oh, I, oh, I did, yeah. It was more to annoy my partner because um, we we shop at a, a tea brand called Bird and Blend Tea. Right. Um, they're based in Brighton, but other than that, they're really good. Um, <laughs> so uh, so I, I really like them, but they, um, they have guidance on their tea packets that say, you know, whether to what temperature to brew the tea it's this posh you know It tells you what temperature to brew your tea at and whether or not to include milk right and um every time my partner says uh you know what what tea are you making um and you know i tell her and she then says and does it take milk and on the packet it says with or without milk so i I sing it to her it's (laughs) With or without milk. Um, And I've done it so many times now that obviously it isn't funny, but I think it's funny that I still do it. (laughs) And I was just trying to make that point that it
0: is, you know, why not? I love it. I love it. I did yeah. see it said it brews pink as well. That was the thing that caught my eye. That's the, the, the red velvet does. Yeah. Yeah. They put
1: sort of some beetroot stuff in it to make it pink. And it does taste of red, red velvet. Cake. I really, they're not, they don't sponsor us and they should <laughs> because a number of people I've sent, sent their way. Um, but I really do recommend bird and blend tea. If you like tea, and they do every kind of tea you can imagine, you know, sticky chai. And ugh, they did some new thing that I can't pronounce. and. <laughs> Uh, we do matcha teas as well, which are... We? Did you just say we?
0: And... Are you sure you don't work for them?
1: Yeah, I know. When I say we, I mean me and my partner make matcha tea. Oh, I, I
0: see. They
1: have not employed me yet. Um, however, I am open to offers. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously, if you, if you like tea, go for it. It's, they're really good. Um, but um, yeah, and also I suppose probably really other good news um, is that yesterday was the year anniversary of... of uh, us adopting our dog.
0: Oh, by me, you already.
1: In a year
0: already. Wow. Yes. Yeah. yeah, That's amazing. We cel-
1: yeah, it's yeah, it's really good. It's been really re- rewarding experience, and we celebrated by her being a dickhead by going in all the muddy puddles <laughs> on her walk. Um, so and and she is a long-haired dog and it takes ages to dry her and it's impossible to get the mud off her because she's terrified of being groomed so that was fun that was exactly the way i wanted to celebrate the year anniversary (laughs) of adopting the dog is to be angry at her for being covered in mud and smelling of cow shit
0: is there like a standard way to celebrate a year anniversary of a dog a cake maybe Cake?
1: Uh, yeah yeah like a bone-shaped cake perhaps
0: nice well, I you can have that on
1: some next year, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instinctively, that's why I went. Anyway, um, let's talk about some football, unfortunately, oh, shall we? Okay. Try. Yeah. If we must. Um, yeah, we've got a bit of news first. Um, start off with, with bad news because it's that kind of a show. Um, the under 18s, um, their first game back after the Christmas break, took on West Ham, who were in very good form prior to Christmas and, and very much carried that on. It was 4 0 West Ham. Um, You know, Palace even missed a penalty in the second half, but weren't really at the races. It's probably worth pointing out that that Palace were missing some key players. I think um, off the top of my head, uh, David Ozo um, wasn't playing. Junior Dixon wasn't playing. I think Nascimento wasn't playing. Freddie Bell, and I think it was one other. Oh, Caden Rodney wasn't playing either. So, you know, the sort of five players who, you know, generally speaking would be starting at 18 level, uh, didn't make that match, and whilst capable people came in, uh, it was obviously a step too far against an informed uh, West Ham team. So um, yeah, disappointing to, to be to be, let's face it, hammered uh, by them. And um, yeah, hopefully, uh, better news on the horizon. And there was there was better news for one of the players that, that played, and that's um, Caleb Kfora. Uh, who was uh, Kapora, sorry, who was been called up to represent uh, England for the under 17s? They're um, playing two friendlies against Germany next week. So he's 16 years old, plays at right back, uh, has played pretty much, I think it's, it is every game in League and Cup. So, um, but he can play uh, a little bit further forward, but generally plays at right back. And um, first time he's been called up to represent England under 17s. Um, so, obviously, best of luck to him and great to see him getting recognition for sure. Um, very, very talented young player. So, uh, that was that was fantastic to read. Um, news that everyone's probably aware of by now um, came out of the blue to some degree, although there was a link in the summer uh, prior to him getting injured. But Jack Butland has joined Man United as, as you know, keeper cover for them. Um, it was basically third choice after we brought Sam Johnston in um yeah back from injury and uh, now gone out on loan for the rest of the season that takes him to the end of his contract but we can apparently extend it by a year so if he does well there i guess there's probably um a, a case that we might extend it to to get a transfer fee or or he might be back with us or or any number of other combinations of those things but um so yeah a little bit of a surprise for me that we that we let him go i guess um You know, at the start of the season, I probably understood it. There was links with United as well as Rangers as well. And I I did think he would go out to play regular football, but this doesn't necessarily feel like that kind of a move. And um, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it, Cara.
0: Well, I'm definitely biased because I really fancy him. So that's (laughs) always sad to see him go. Yeah. no, I was sad. I, yeah, I just have a real soft spot for him. Um, So that completely takes my view. But the funniest part of it was that deleted tweet saga. Did you see that?
1: I don't think I did, no. Ah,
0: uh, so somebody quite quickly found a tweet from, I think it was like 2017 or something, where yeah. somebody had tweeted him saying like, would you join Man United as a second? And he replied saying, I'd never join a club to be their second keeper. Um. <laughs> So that went round, and he obviously deleted it, and uh, uh, that was that. But that was quite oh. um Yeah, <laughs> there's always a
2: tweet.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's the trouble, is you know, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? With tweets, they they never go away. I haven't had the misfortune of looking at my old tweets, but um, I expect there's lots of earnest uh, slash drunk tweets about all sorts <laughs> of crap, and I wouldn't know what it was now. So um, uh, I wouldn't encourage anybody to go and look through my tweets. Don't do
0: that. So if, you get, if you get called up for Man United, though, someone will be going through them. That's for sure. They will, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I haven't given up hope. Um,
1: <laughs> you know, I'm only 42, so <laughs> there's still time. There's still time for me to get some sort of a professional career. I suspect. Um, but yeah, anyway. So look, you know, my perspective. It's always a shame in some ways to see a player go. Um, a player I, you know, I got a lot of time for. I think he's a very good goalkeeper. Uh, you know, Guaita very much kept him on the bench for us, um, but it kind of comes at a time where I think Guaita might actually be on the wane and then yeah. you kind of think, you know, well, is is the better keeper leaving? And in some ways, you know, the fact he's joining Man United might suggest that's a possibility. Uh, and Talking of Man United, uh, the rearranged fixture that at one stage it looked like there might actually be no free date for has been arranged at very short notice for the 18th of January. So that's the home game against Man United. Um, that has probably delighted loads of people that are suddenly on a Wednesday night at 8pm where, where we've got another home game shoved in. But, you know, is what it is, I guess. Uh, just, uh, yeah, I thought I'd include that to, to let you all know and hopefully you can all get to that one. Um, if you have the appetite for it right now. Um, so finally, Cara, you added one yourself.
0: Yes, so uh, just before we head into the uh, FA Cup misery of the men's team, the women's team had um, a great result of 5-1 against Watford uh, today on the day of recording, which is Sunday, um, in their FA Cup third round tie. Um, goals from Olding, two from Blanchard, uh, one from Doran and Hughes as well. So good to see a nice spread of goal scoring going on there. Um And people might remember uh, they had a pretty bad spell of results um, in the kind of winter, uh, heading into the winter, turned things around beginning of December with a win over Lewis. And then this is their second um, win since then. So hopefully it's a kind of sign of um, better things to come for the rest of the season. Um, If nothing else, give them some confidence going into uh, the upcoming league games. Um, So yeah, a bit of a kind of pick us up before we go into the Men's
1: FA Cup. Yeah, exactly. Let's, I mean, look, it's always nice to see Watford on the end of a of a significant score, and especially nice when uh, when it's Palace delivering it. So well done uh, to the Palace women. That's a fantastic result. Um, so look, we'll we'll get into this, and I think you know the temptation to to analyse is not really there. Um, we'll do some degree of discussion about the game, uh, but I think you know we've got um we did we did a poll over the course of um. The, the last sort of 24 hours which we probably want to take a look at and there's, a, there's an awful lot of comments that have been added alongside that and I kind of do want to just really take that opportunity to go through the poll that we did um and go through the comments because there's a lot in there that really do sort of spark off a degree of discussion and debate that you know Cara and I we will we will try to try to cover for you um you know from cards on the table time really it's a case of i've got no desire to see the manager go anywhere uh, and some people do but you know i am you know very 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 disappointed with with what i've seen over the last few weeks um you know i think if every anybody picks other than the, the victory against bournemouth which i didn't think was a great performance but it was it was good enough you know we've not had consistent displays and we've had some terrible terrible results it doesn't look good and that was prior to going into probably the worst run of fixtures that we we will have this season so it really is a, a very very concerning time and it's it's twofold for me in in terms of the reasons why and we will get into those so but we do want to have a quick look at the game itself and um you know there's some some elements of this that that i liked um And I suppose one of those, Cara, we'll start with is, you know, the first comment you dropped into our document here. Uh, I'm not going to sing.
0: Oh, please. (laughs) The second time.
1: Um, You put put rhythm is a dancer, is Will Hughes the answer. Um, Is Will Hughes the answer? How do you you think you did?
0: I'm I'm not going to answer it because I don't know. (laughs) which is, I think, the conclusion that we all came out with from that game. But I think it is, you know, it's been, um, well, it has been on all of our lips, hasn't it? The last kind of, um, especially since restart, but like uh, going back to before the World Cup as well, like why isn't he playing? Um, especially because like everyone's diagnosed part of our problem being that lack of um, lack of legs really in midfield, which we know is something that he brings. And he did bring that, I thought. Um I just think that our problems are now slightly wider than just missing the legs in the field um and so it's tricky it's always going to be tricky to see from one game let alone not even 90 minutes of a player coming uh coming back on without having played for a while to kind of uh assess what their long term impact would be if they played regularly but I think it was one of the few positives to take from the game like even if you come away thinking, okay, was there a huge amount of impact from him individually? Probably not loads, but was it good to see uh, the opposition have to keep an eye on a player running around and, you know, putting the, putting the yards in and that one eye then not being on our attacking creative players? Yes. What impact would that have if we did that more regularly and, and the players got used to playing together? Um i would like to see that um and so i definitely think he is part of the answer but i think we're seeing that we've got quite a few problems in quite a few other positions now um yeah yeah what did you think
1: I just, it's you know you've you've articulated pretty well what what the issue is and that's that when you when you look at it in isolation in one game and he gets he gets the start and you're like okay well let's see what he can do um But then you look at the decisions made around him, and I've said in our our document here, this was so close to what I would say is the lineup we should be looking at. It's really close to it, and I appreciate that we did rest Eze, you know, for for the you know fact that he's you know he's still not you know he still has had to come back from a really serious injury. So getting opportunities to rest him is is often good, but you know, and and I think picking Elise in that position. I I understand why we did that because obviously they are similar types of players, mm. similar, not like for like. In my view, at least, Elise can play as a ten. But Eze is as a, as a natural ten in my in my view. I think Elise to me has to play on that right hand side yeah. for another year or two before he can really occupy a place in the in the middle in the middle. You know, for on a regular basis. Mm. So what I thought once again was was wrong about this. I, I thought you know obviously schlupp out. Hughes in is exactly right, and I think we should have kept our discipline and kept DeCure and Hughes as that central midfield. And, mm-hmm. and if you're going to make a change to rest Dakure, which we did and bring on Luca, that's fine. I don't mind that, but keep Hughes in there. Hughes needed ninety minutes, and if he, yeah. as long as his legs, legs handled it, he needed ninety minutes. But we we hooked him for Eze and. You know, then you start this is where I start getting really frustrated when you start thinking about the players we take off. We took Edward off, we took Hughes off, and for me they were two of the better players on the day. Um you know, Ward had a shocker and what did we do? We threw on Jeffrey Schlupp for Ward. And you're just like, you know, you've you've you know, Patrick, you need more players, I get it, but you're not really helping yourself here. Um, you know, I thought Ward had a shocker, and it was really weird, and I don't I still don't understand fully why at half time we switched Klein and Ward because Klein started left back on Ward right back. I'm, I'm, but then the second half they were playing the other way, and I thought we looked weaker for it. Mm. Um, again, unless I've missed something, they switched at a different time. But that's that's the moment I noticed it, and it I felt it, it, it was very very peculiar. And I thought that Ward struggled all game. Mm. Um, you know, but uh, going back to what I'm saying, you know, in terms of the lineup, in terms of what we picked, Hughes, I thought had a decent game first half I thought he kept us ticking along nicely and I just think like like the rest of the team when we conceded the equaliser we had a little bit of a wobble and yeah. I think the second half we started quite well on the front foot but it was a bit end to end before they scored mm. uh, and I, so I don't think we fully settled and then I think once they they got the second goal which obviously was ridiculous and there's not a lot most of the people on the pitch can do about that there's only one player on the Palace team he could have done something differently, and, and he should have done. And that's the keeper. So, um and then after that, the 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 minds, the, the minds had gone. The 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 confidence has gone. The the kind of calmness in possession that Vieira wants from the players had absolutely vacated. Nobody had any ideas, and that for me is the the really concerning thing. And um, so I you know I want I really wanted to sort of come on and praise and the, the the decisions because obviously Mitchell's not available
2: Yeah.
1: Um. so we didn't we didn't have the choice to play him at left back so that's one of the changes I would have made Mitchell for Ward you know Klein at right back Mitchell at left and I would have had I just would not have started Jordan IU. and I'll get into that later on because I've had some stuff on Twitter for some of the <laughs> comments I made on, on IU and, and I will get into that why. but for me if we could have done you know Ezra should have started there because you know say on the right and you know, Ezra Central don't play Ayew um, just for the fact that he's 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 got a fantastic attitude, and I said rather mean spiritedly the other day in our back of the nest chat. If we could put his attitude and uh, a and determination into the body of a footballer, he'd be a really good player. And I shouldn't have said that, but I maintain <laughs> that to some degree it is appropriate.
0: Only play him on Boxing Day because that seems to be the time that he scores. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, exactly, like, yeah. Kind One of, of the stats of the the amount of kind of Boxing Day or around Boxing Day matches that he scored in. Yeah.
1: But um, look, it's and it it does neatly take us into the goal really, as to the point I'm actually trying to make, because I like Jordan, I and I think he's actually a very good footballer. I just think in front of goal and last the kind of last ball, the last moment, he's just far far too inconsistent and and lacks that little bit of quality. You know, he obviously hit the bar from. A couple of yards out, difficult chance at that pace, but yeah. you know a proper finisher scores that goal, and, and we could we could say that about him probably ten to fifteen times a season. That if a different player, a better finisher, has the same opportunity that Ayu has, he scores it as Ayu. You know, nine times out of ten, or probably a greater statistic, um, doesn't. And and that's what the
0: just, problem is. Just on how many players that we've got in the squad do you think given the opportunities that he's been in front of would put them away
1: well edward <laughs> honestly and yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not a massive massive fan of edward because i think he should work harder yeah um, but I, a part of that is is having you know a little bit too long in scotland where he didn't have to um <laughs> to be quite honest with you if um he's, he's you know he's a better player than than that standard um but yeah, I just think you know you look at his goal, and our first goal was really good. You know, Anderson's played a good ball forward into Wilf. You know, on on the stretch, Wilf's taken it well and played similar a pass on the stretch, and he's just fired it into Edouard. And initially, I don't even put it in the chat uh, in the document. I thought it was a scrappy touch, It was actually a really good touch. Um, yeah. You know, I, I thought it looked scrappy. I thought it looked like it bounced up off him, but it's actually he's controlled it really well. Mm. On about the tenth viewing, I finally thought, "Oh no, no, he meant that." <laughs> and um, and the finish is great, you know. And that's it. He doesn't think
0: about it. He's yeah,
1: it's instinct, right?
0: That, and that's the that problem. Been his problem. I think is the the chances he's had. Obviously, like he's then been injured and stuff. But prior to that, my kind of frustration with him was that he would just think too much about it, and given the chance, he'd give it to somebody else. And that was my frustration with him before that he wasn't taking those chances, but that this was a really good sign that he is, you know, coming back on and wanting to trust himself. We've taken them instinctively, Mm. but then why take him off? (laughs) Going back to what you said earlier, like if he's got that one and what we want from him is well, what we want from anyone on the field, but like, we've got somebody there who's doing it, is just to take a chance, like take the chance when it's in front of you. Why, why, why would you take him off?
1: Yeah. I think we can we get carried away a little bit with this, you know, with the idea that all eleven players uh, have to, you know, cover every blade of grass, you know, and, and Benteke used to get a lot of stick for it as well. And I know, look, there's there's lots of reasons why Benteke got stick, and <laughs> you know, at times he really didn't help himself. Let's just leave it at that, right? But you know, he got he got stick for not being a player that ran the channels all game, and not being a player that harried every single pass at the. About even when he's up on his own. And it's just that we kind of have that expectation of our, our forwards. But I think sometimes it's healthy to have an expectation of a forward that they're just in there to, to get that chance. And I think that's what we've been missing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, a, a forward is going to be a little bit selfish um, and, and just try to, you know, use a little bit of movement in that final third and not be having to drift wide all the time, not be mm-hmm. having to drop deep to pick the ball up just to be a kind of focal point. And, you know, Mateta's done that at different times, but he's never really put a consistent run of form together no. uh, to look like the answer. But but Edouard, I think, is capable of it. Um, but you have to kind of play around, you know, you have to kind of build the style of play around that, of being able to thread the ball into him. Because how often do we play a pass like the one that Wilf played into Edouard? Yeah. And that gives you your answer as to why Edward has struggled. We don't play that ball enough. Yeah. You know, we we don't have you know, I almost feel like a you could almost go back to a four four two and have Edward and Wilf up top together. Mm. And Wilf just slightly deeper and buzzing around and you can almost play that, but obviously you then lose the ten in, in Ezre and all that kind of stuff, and that's a bigger conversation. But you know, dragging it back to the point, you know, you've mentioned it yourself and I said it on Twitter and I've said it in the doc like at the end of the game. You know, you're know, you chasing a game against the bottom team in the Premier League and you look at the, the people on the pitch. And for me, the, the forward most likely to tuck the ball away in the net is sat on the bench yeah. when he started the game. He's not tired. He's not unfit. Well, there's a, there's a larger question about the fitness of the players. But, you know, I mean, he, he's fit to play 90 minutes. And yeah. if you want the ball to drop to somebody, you want the ball to drop to somebody like him. And if you're going to make changes, you're going to make substitutions in the FA Cup, it's not really about keeping your shape anymore like past 70 75 minutes when you're trailing you're not really that bothered about trying to keep your shape and your discipline and your patience you throw people on you chase a game that's the FA Cup yeah, yeah. Um, and I, th- do that,
0: I think that's the same argument for like keeping Hughes on for those 90 minutes as well because he is that kind of player like he's going to keep running at the opposition he's going to keep chasing down balls he's going to clatter into him when he needs to, you know, rough him up a little bit if that's what the game needs. Um, And so to take that presence off and put Jeffrey Schlapp on who, anyone who um, saw Matt Woosem's piece in the Athletic last week with the crazy graphs about Schlapp's performance um, this this season uh, relating to last season, we'll see the drop off in kind of his defensive effectiveness across a couple of different areas. Like, what yeah I, I don't I don't understand it I don't understand the like what did Riera think the impact of the game on the game was going to be by those choices of that group of substitutions I, I'm I'm not really sure
1: yeah and it, it's you know you, you got to the point where it feels like he's making a point about something you know you yeah know, I don't I, well, I wanted to change the game and all I had was Jeffrey Schlup. you should get that on a t-shirt you know yeah um and, and again, I'm I'm being flippant, and I you know I you know I, I obviously I respect every Palace player, and I am being flippant when I talk about Schlapp and IU most weeks, and sometimes give Wardy a bit of a stick as well. But these are players that you know play for Palace and have given given their all. And I you know, unfortunately, I feel like those those three in this game you could pick are at, at being massively exposed for you know whatever faults that they have. And yeah, it it did feel a very odd set of se- uh, selections and changes by by Patrick Vieira and I think but I do think the game was lost mentally by that point as well I just mm-hmm. I just think there's something up um, you know I'm going back to the 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 graphs that you talked about the piece in the Athletic from Matt Wilson. I think that to some degree the manager has a part to play there in, in the role that he's asking Schlupp to play yeah I think there was something like one of the statistics there I don't know which one it was it might have been the, like the the positional breakup of play or something like that it was either it was either higher or it wasn't quite. It wasn't too bad, but that's basically what he does in there now. Mm. You know, he, he's, it's it's occupying space to try and cut down passing angles, uh, and it's playing a sideways ball. But I mean, obviously, the other day against, um against Fulham, um, when he just just played like gave the ball away, then gave a free kick away, stopped yeah. running, and the, and the the whistle had gone. And you just look at it, like in four seconds, that's that's the problem with him.
0: That's it. And then he's not gonna make up for it in those other areas that looking at those graphs have all dropped off. And that's it, you can accept mistakes, but when when they can't then make up for those mistakes and kind of get back on track in one way or another after it, or they've already got kind of points in the bank before it, you are kind of left looking, like what what impact are you having on the game that is positive after that point?
1: Sure. And look, there must you know there's the performance. Analysis that's done at Premier League level now, right? It must be an element of that where he's doing exactly what he's asked to do. If you if you understand, yeah, you know, yeah. Those statistics show the difference between him now and him last season. Yeah. But obviously, he had a different role last season. But so again, it, it's funny that it, it's the most ammunition I've probably ever had to say <laughs> enough is enough. You know, let's let's stop being mad. Let's stop. Accepting one half decent game in five, and and let's stop picking Jeffrey. The most ammunition I've ever had, but it's probably the one thing that I want to highlight and say. Actually, you know, it's the manager, the coaching staff here, the system that we've we've put in place. For me, and and I say this with all due respect to to everybody at Palace. Right? If you if you think because at the moment Jeffrey Slip's role is alongside Chake Decoré as a you know two screening defensive midfielders. That's their role. You know, recycle possession, but mostly try to win the ball back. Try to give a little bit of box to box when you can, but keep your positional discipline and and win the ball back. If you said to... I genuinely believe if you said to any manager in the league, you can have Jeffrey Schlup from us for nothing. In fact, we'll give you a million quid, but you have to play him every game as a defensive midfielder. I don't think any of them would take it. I really don't. (laughs) I just, I just think it's, I just think it's that weird a situation, and I don't know how it's come about. I don't, I, you know, we bought a left back who could play left wing, and occasionally as a forward, and we've, when we've got a, a really mediocre central midfielder out of it, years down the line, yeah. and I just think it's so wrong, and, and I That's... don't hold him personally responsible for it.
0: No, I. Well, I was going to say, I feel like it is part of the kind of, um symptom of something some unknown thing in the way that the club is being managed of we do just have a squad of quite a lot of players that are left over from various times and I don't mean that as disrespectfully as it sounds because I've got a great amount of respect for each and every one of them and each and every one of them has given the club a lot over the time but if you just look at that squad, if you look at the bench even, whether or not, as you said, like Vieira's trying to make a point with the substitution he's, he's making or not, I don't know. But if any time you look at the bench, I don't ever look at the bench and think, no, no, it's all right. We've got players on there that can come on.
1: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus,
2: serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, Tell them, honestly, if you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
0: And change it. We've got players on there that come on with a very specific purpose in the squad, a very specific purpose in the team. And I trust that they're going to be brought on and they're going to do a job. It's more like, well, we've got this player who's left over from this period of time you know, maybe they can come on and just about fit in here, but I'm not, it's like, I don't know. It's just, it just all feels a bit spurs and repairs. Do you know, like,
1: I do, yeah. If you take that bench, right. And and i would do it really, really quickly. Um, if you take that bench and you go, okay, Luke, the Luca of, you know, four years ago, three, four years ago. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Tompkins of three, four years ago. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then you look at Eze, Is um, obviously a great player, shouldn't be on the bench. Mateta, yeah, you know, he's, he's sometimes effective. We've talked about Shlup, Johnston, you know, backup keeper. But we haven't seen anything really of Richard. I know he's had some injuries, but yeah. nothing of Richard. Reed avowed, I, I concerned he might be a ghost. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and, you know, and then you've got the John Kamani Gordon and, and, we're putting these young players on the bench pretty much every week and we're not doing anything with them but you know that's and that's what we got yeah um, and that so was, you're right they're all, they're all hangovers or they're, they're unused
0: yeah we, like we don't have a core like in my mind unless something you know things go wrong and like this isn't always achievable but in my mind at any given time you have like a core of your team then you have some new players coming in and you have some old players on the way out right and that works really well because you've got the older players that are maybe playing a little bit less, but they're like there for all of their experience, whether it's on the training ground, um, you know, to come on, to use that experience to manage a game at various times, whatever. You've got the core of the team that are like for one reason or another, in one way or another, you know, potentially at their peak. And then you've got the younger players coming through that are learning from both the established team, trying to break into it and learning from the older players before they go out. I don't see that core in our team at all. It's like we just have the like half the half the squads on their way out and half their squads on the way in, and we're somehow expecting these younger players to have all of this experience have all of this leadership quality on the pitch despite them not having the experience to do it and I think quite a lot of what we've touched on so far today does highlight that lack of leadership role, and I know that it's something that a lot of like fans are talking about we don't have those that one or those two players who can provide that leadership on the pitch to kind of pull everyone together to shout at people if they need shouting at put an arm around somebody if they need uh, an arm put around them everyone just kind of falls apart a little bit um and i don't really see how that changes with the current personnel we've got regardless of how the lineups change
1: no exactly and look you know i think Again, we, we talking about individuals always f- feels unfair. You know, I, I feel like Joel Ward has been there as that that older voice that you're talking about, the one who should be playing. Yes, but <laughs> less, less, But he's he's been basically a, f- a first choice in the Premier League for three years longer than I think he should be. Um, you know, Klein was brought in as a stopgap, and he's still there. And yeah, he's improved massively since we got him back in, and he's played regular football. But you know, it's still. We, I know we brought in Ferguson and, and we've been very unlucky with that situation, I think, but you know, there's really just not enough. And I do think the fullback areas are our biggest problem by some considerable distance. No one pushing Mitchell when he's, you know, dropped in form. So there's no one really pushing him on the left. Um, and we've just got, we actually have a bunch of people who can play right back, but I can't see why. I mean, Richard's not getting a he's just not getting a, a look in at all and I mean, he has had injuries but you know I, th- I assumed he was coming in to to play right back uh, until such time as we need him as a as a third or a backup center back but we've just not seen him um but look we're still relying on i think you know so it's, it's a long way of saying we're still reliant on players who unfortunately are not up to the standard of you know where we think we should be um and unfortunately, if you look at the way we're performing of late, you know the standard that we're producing is very poor. Like you know, it, it's worryingly poor. It's you know, wait and see in ten games' time how close to that relegation zone we might be. Poor is what we're talking about now, uh, which is which is deeply concerning. Um, let's really quickly mention the goals. Uh, we mentioned Edwards' finish. Um, and because you can look at this game and say, actually, we're playing really well up until that point. I do think we took our foot off the gas when we went one new up, which has, has, you know, has me very, very worried. Um, but we had opportunities to, to go further ahead. Indeed, you know, are you hitting the bar being the key one? But, um, I think the, the War Prowse equalizer, first time you see it, you think it's one of those where the delivery is exactly in the right spot. Gwaiya can't come for it because he doesn't know what's going to happen in front of him, um, and you know it's evaded everybody and gone in. We've seen them happen a million times. It's unfortunate. It's bad luck. It's all those things. There's a swirling wind, etc., etc., etc. Probably the sort of second time you watch it, you know, there's unfortunately one person who sticks out a mile, and that's Joel Ward um, because he's jumped for something he's not going to reach. And in doing so, he creates the problem. He pre- creates the problem for the keeper, and he, you know, he, he's got no business <laughs> mistiming a, a jump that badly. I don't think. Um, so yeah, um, and obviously, the keeper not covering himself in glory, himself in glory because ultimately he's the one looking out and should be giving people a shout as well. And I don't, I didn't see a shout at all. So really poor goal to concede, but I think the. The aftermath of it, you know, the the way we reacted, um, we just didn't have enough. You know, it, it just deflated the whole squad, and we really tried. Especially after halftime, we seemed to really try to to get ourselves back up. But, um, you know what what do you do? And I, I'm going to have to ask you your views on on Guaita for the second goal. And I know there's not much you can say, but you know,
0: <laughs> yeah. I just, I've gone back and forth with this because I think it's one of those things that happens once, maybe a few times, but, like, once to every keeper, right? And it's embarrassing. It's horrible. Like, it must feel horrendous to them. And then they recover from it and it becomes a bit of a, like, oh, you know, um, Butland did it in the Millwall game, didn't he, this time last year, Uh and then went on to have a really great run of games in the FA Cup. Unfortunately, Gates, it's come at a time where things aren't good. <laughs> and so I think the legacy of this mistake is going to hang around for him a little bit longer than it necessarily would have done or has done for other keepers because of that. So I think given how good he has been for us for such a long time, we can afford him the kind of let's you know let's just put it down to a mistake and, and move on from it. But if he can't pick himself up from it and then has a string of pretty tricky things happening, he's gonna be in trouble, I think. And I think with Butland going, that does leave us in a bit of a um well, I don't know, we'll see. Maybe, maybe, you know, Johnston coming into the team will be a will be a really good thing. We don't know. We'd have to see it. But um I I'm not sure there's any excuse for it, really. He was just thinking about the third thing he was about to do without concentrating on pulling off the pass of the ball that he had at his feet. And when you do that and there's someone running towards you, it's going to go wrong. And when you're the goalkeeper, it's probably going to be in a goal. Like, you know, yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. It's, it's
1: bizarre. You know, I, I I watched it trying to, you know, watched it back a few times trying to find the thing that explains it, you know. <laughs> And there isn't, there just isn't one, you know, he's, he's come out to receive the ball and he's a million times, you know, he'll, he'll have just put his foot through that just for some reason he doesn't.
0: Just, I, I, doesn't think that, I think he's just thinking about where it, where it's going to go. Like, cause every, I was yeah. looking at the, the players around him when it came to him and Hughes is already calling for it. You know, everybody's always already thinking about where it's going to be three passes down the line. And I think that was it. He he was so busy thinking about where it was going to be three passes down the line that he just wasn't focusing on what was at his feet.
1: Yeah, but yeah, it was a really odd one. But uh, and and I think without dwelling on it too much further because we, we we've said a lot already. And, and it's really a case of you know though both those goals you could call freak goals, you could call them like aberrations. I think what's disturbing is that the fact that we didn't have anything in the tank. Um, to do anything about it. Yeah. And the longer the game went on, the kind of less confidence I had that we would do anything. Um, and I and I do think there's some, some other issues there, but we'll get onto those in just a bit. And I'm, I'm conscious because we got into our own frustration so much, we probably won't have time for as many of the comments as I thought we would have. So very, very quickly, I, w- I won't go through v- v- all of Vieira's comments. Um, you know, he did liken it to the Tottenham game where he, you know, he said, you know, we played quite well, and we shouldn't have uh, shouldn't have lost as badly as we did. Which, again, some people had problems with, but I, I do understand what he was saying. Um, and, and you know, he talked about having good periods in this game and not taking our opportunities, which is absolutely true. Uh, but what I was pleased to hear him talk about, I'm not pleased to see it. But I'm pleased to hear him talk about it. He said, um, he said that the mindset is well. He says it's about the coaching staff developing the mentality of the players. He said that we play really good football and create chances, but the mindset has to be better. Uh, and we have to work on that. Um, it won't happen in the next weeks or months. It's a process that takes time. And it's up to me and the staff to show that taking chances is important in winning the game. Maturity is important. Experience is important. The work we're doing every day is important. And me, the manager and the staff are being more demanding on the players if we keep demanding from the players week after week, they will be where we want them to be. And I admire the confidence, um, but it's the, the acceptance that the mentality isn't right. That's, that's pleasing for me because that in everything is is the biggest problem right now. The mentality of the team is, is too fragile. It's too defeatist. And you know what? We, we don't work hard enough right now. Mm. I've got to be blunt about that. We do not work hard enough off the ball and we do not work hard enough for each other as a team to to win football games on a regular basis and that wasn't the case last season. Last season we worked as hard as anybody and I think it was so important. You know, you we talk about him a lot, but Conor Gallagher last year you couldn't slack off at all because of how much he gave every game. Yeah. You know, for ninety minutes he gave absolutely everything he could um, and everybody get, gets lifted by somebody like that. This mm. week, I look at the, I look at you know, the game we played. In fact, this season, I look at the games we play, and it's very rare that I can point at a player and say you left absolutely nothing uh, to chance. You did everything you could, every ounce of effort you had, you put out, you put out there. You know, mm. other than maybe I, who I've given the most stick of all. <laughs>
0: And well I think, arguably Hughes. This this game, I think he did show that. But we, you know, it's it's one, one game like we've already discussed. So that's why I want to see him more because I think he would give us that. I think he does run and run and run. Um, he does provide that fight that we've been missing. Um, but I think my my concern is that I'm I don't know how good our football has been. <laughs> like I kind of disagree with you a bit on that because. We haven't been effective. Like, it's all well and good saying there have been spells where we've been good, but we haven't scored from it. So that's not good. And then the spells where we've been bad, we've conceded from it. So that's not good. Like, I don't know which parts he's looking at that are saying that he's saying we've played well because we've not actually executed any of the stuff that we've needed to execute. And the risks we take in playing the way that we play, we've been punished for every single time. So I. I don't know. I think I said it in our chat, didn't I? Like, My hope is that that's just the media line they're putting out there and that's not what they actually (laughs) think. My slight concern with the whole mentality thing is, yes, absolutely, we all agree there is an issue there. One massive change, I think, looking at how we play now from last year is that none of them look like they're enjoying it. A lot of last season, a lot of the players looked like they were loving their football. Even when things weren't going right, you know, they looked like they had a freedom. They looked like they had a confidence. They looked like they were really kind of there for each other, um, you know, there for the club. That's not really there now. And I don't think it kind of disappeared. I think it's just slowly burnt out. So how you deal with that, if if the... um. Environment becomes that they're demanding more of the players. Is that going to inspire that in them? Or is it going to make things more pressurised, more um, uh, more stressful? More, I don't know. I, I I just want to see them come onto the field with that freeness that we had last season, because I think that's what brought out the best football. And I'm worried yeah. that this approach isn't going to do that
1: look it's a really good point and you know there's no again i think perhaps the point being made is there isn't really a um you know a magic formula if you like to to get that all-important confidence and that all-important flow back in a in a side that's just hit a struggling patch you know it is it is tougher um but i think different players respond in different ways and and for me the best the best thing we could do now is get Three or four bodies in that squad, um, different people, different mentalities. You know, different levels of confidence. Really change it. Really mix it up. Put pressure on people to keep their places. You know, that that's what you do. That's how you change something. Because you, you're not going to do it with what we got now. And and the discussions. And look, we've been linked with a couple of players. Even today, I think there's, there's some really strong links with Danny Ings potentially on loan which I, I don't know if that solves our problems. It's certainly if you give him a couple of chances, he'll score. But, um, you know, I don't know if that would solve our problems. And I know we're not the only club in for him. But I, whatever it takes, you know, and I, I genuinely mean three or four. You know, we need at least one centre-back. We need at least one forward. And we absolutely must have another option at fullback back in both positions, um, you know, uh, for for us to be able to do anything to To really properly address this slide and actually start looking back up the table, otherwise, you know, and look, we're you know we're, we're Palace. This happens to us, you know. We um, you know, we we promise a lot, we start getting excited, uh, and then we have to we we come down to earth with a bit of a bump. But you know, I I just think there's things that we could do an awful lot better than we currently are, and we are starting to fall into the trap that we've seen. Ourselves fall into in the last couple of years, and that's we're we're getting by with people, we're getting by with players, we're getting by with attitudes, and you know it's it's gonna it catches up with you eventually if you just kind of try to get by and just get through, and then maybe it'll be better in the summer kind of thing. And I'm really talking about the transfer window here. If you try to just get by and do enough, you know you're going to fail at some point, and the consequences will be pretty pretty severe so um should we um should we jump straight into the poll i know you were you were asking the question of why can't we have nice things in the document <laughs> why a palace like this no I, I don't have an answer for you i wish i did oh, no i don't think any of us really know the, the proper answer to that but um, can we, poll uh, we put
0: out there and it's cool. no i was gonna say let's invite steve parish on to answer those questions for us <laughs> I think he only goes on <laughs> only
1: goes on podcast with a pay paywall now. I think, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, there you go. Um, um, but yeah, the poll was really, you know, what's what's your view of Palace or, or you know Patrick Vieira? You know, where are we right now? Uh, and we invited comments as well, so we had a whole bunch of votes. It's still going on, but um, the 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 options were whether you feel we're still on course, slightly concerned. Getting very worried or sack him now in terms of Vieira. I think, look, pleasingly, from from my perspective, the 3.8% lowest number uh, was sack him now. Uh, (laughs) Still on course was the next lowest at 8.2%. Getting very worried, which is honestly where I sit right now, was just under 40%. And at just over 48 the most common answer was just slightly concerned. Uh, Where would you be on that poll, Cara?
0: Um I cast my vote and I, I fell into the just slightly concerned uh bracket. Oh, okay. But I feel so like was... now after having this conversation, I've been pushed into the yep yeah, getting very worried to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean I'd love to apologise for that, but I'm I'm not going to. Um
0: so <laughs> Well uh... I'll, tell, I'll tell you why, because my my just slightly concerned is that I don't actually have my concerns aren't really with Vieira my concerns are more with is this just endemic to how the club is run which I think is a longer conversation and one that would probably bring some controversy on what I think about that so I might not go into it now but that's why I went there if, if it was just if the answer if the question was purely what do you think about the club I'd probably be in yep getting very worried but I don't lay that blame at Vieira. I still have quite a lot of trust in him. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. But, he, but you know, from my, from my view and this will come across, I'm sure, you know, it he, he just, well, in fact, E-Crystal Palace was the first responder on this who said, um, exactly what i was about to say which is you've got to you've got to back the manager properly and uh he said that uh the problems did start in the summer when we didn't back the manager properly i think we'll slide towards a relegation battle over the next couple of months but expect us to be fine by the end of the season and i i genuinely you know that's pretty much word for word where my brain is and but but i definitely think the word expect us to be fine is where i am i don't 100 percent believe and trust that we will be um, but I do expect us to be um, because we should be with the, with the players we have with the squad. We've got uh, the implications of us of not being fine by the end of the season. You know, that's that squad just gets dismantled very, very quickly. And it's a really hard rebuild. I have to say. Cool. Um, so Lee Fanderson's forehead, regular contributor. Uh, has said, uh, I'm more concerned about our board. It sounds like a complete mess, to be honest. Thank yeah. God for Paris when you have three other owners whose agenda isn't with Palace. Worrying. Um, have you got a take on that?
0: I do. And <laughs> this is where I'm nervous, because I, I don't know how popular my opinion is going to be. Like, I, I think it's easy to blame the ones that we don't hear from. Um, we don't know what those conversations are. We don't know... I think we, like, Parish makes all the decisions, right? So if the decisions aren't happening, if the decisions are the things we have an issue with, people seem quite reluctant to ask Parish those questions and a bit more comfortable saying, oh, it must be the three investors that we don't hear from. And that, for me, I don't know, maybe it is them. Maybe it is them, but I just feel like, for understandable reasons, we have a bit of blind faith in parish, but I think we might be getting to a point where this many years into being in the Premier League and nothing really having moved on, do we need to start asking the questions of you know what is the vision? is the vision that this is it? I mean, Matthew Knight's a bit further down, I said we won't go down, but I don't think that I don't think he's the manager for anything more than steady mid table dullness. Well, I don't see that parish or the board have anything insights other than steady mid-table dullness to be honest I can't yeah. think of a decision they've made that would suggest otherwise so I don't think it's fair to expect Vieira to be able to achieve much more than what they're giving him the tools to do um yeah but back to the original question yeah I, I think maybe we need to start asking a few more questions of parish and not um necessarily just assuming it's the the, the kind of silent
1: uh, silent players fault yeah for sure I, I, I look there's a, there's a whole myriad of potentials here and we, we don't have all the information but what I would say is, is this I think a few people got really annoyed by uh, something that came out the other day which pointed at the individual wealth of like football shareholders if you like and we were somewhere in I think like sixth in the Premier League because of uh, Josh Harris in particular but you know having people who are wealthy at your club doesn't mean those people are going to spend that money. Um, first and foremost, you look at the, the kind of Harris blitzer group and that they are investors. They aren't, you know, they want a return on their money and it, you know, you can, you don't have to dig far to see that they really are looking at other premier league clubs and not palace, you know, in terms of where they see their long-term investment. Cause I don't think that they, Feel like they're going to make the money they want to make out of Palace because Palace is a project. It's a long-term project about building a stadium, about building, you know, an academy which we started doing obviously and done a very good job. Uh, nearly, nearly the end of that process. Um, but you know, building a stadium, building a team, and and you know, long-term project in trying to be a big club. Um, and you know, we've done okay. We've done okay in terms of keeping ourselves in the Premier League for as long as we have and. That's why people are reluctant to criticise Parrish. But when you look at, I mean, Te- John Texter's taken a lot of grief at the moment as an investor who's then, you know, spread his net pretty wide in terms of his holdings for Eagle Football. And lots of concern about that as well. And you know, we've been very much stung in the past by by investors. But the bottom line is this: you know, everything's changed in football. When you look at the number of clubs that have really high sustained investment. Um. In you know, on and off the pitch, you know Newcastle's situation has has added another major major player. That you know, we would have to we're, not, we're never really without the same sort of investment. We as a football club will never eclipse them. That's the truth. We won't. We won't eclipse them. We won't eclipse a Man City, a Man United, a Liverpool, a Chelsea, <laughs> um, you know, and 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 the rest, Arsenal spurs all you start listing all the teams that you can't possibly eclipse without something massive changing and you are a mid-table club at best if you've had a successful season and that's the problem so i feel bad saying you know it's, it's the board's fault but ultimately you know and we you know knowing steve parish as as we do um he would love I'm sure to have people alongside him and the personal wealth himself to just throw money at it in a you know a really logical calm and sensible way but have the amount of money they need to build that stadium and build the best possible team for Patrick Vieira I'm sure he'd love that but I genuinely don't think that's where we are and I think that's what the message is more about the concern is that we don't seem to have Uh, a kind of coherent collective vision from the board that's that's the perception that we have anyway maybe we maybe i'm wrong but um certainly the messages about the window don't sound good do they when we're talking about not spending money because it's a bad market because of loans and all that kind of stuff and when you look at the the squad and it needs it needs a lot of work right now and a lot of players out contract in the summer which again i think we'll try and use but that might be too late Anyway, well, far too much on that. I mean on the same topic, Gary 123 Gary T one two three to be precise has said if the board don't back him what chances he really have. We've got some average players and a very thin squad. Most would find it tough with limited options. So I certainly agree with that. Uh, Dave Bailey, who I skipped there. As laid into Patrick Vera a little bit, saying the team selection still seems baffling to me. He doesn't seem to have the guts to drop a player despite them playing poorly. Add that, add to that, is game management which is lacking. But what concerns me most though is a lack of fight, desire, and leadership, which I hope Dave we've we've covered in our comments throughout the course of the podcast today. Now, Pete Trainer, uh, Cara, this one for you. Hopefully, this is the players are confused and tired. So, we're talking about the game management again and talking about club level issue, but the confused and tired aspect. I really wanted to ask you about the, you know, how tired, whether or not the players do look tired, they do look physically fit. Yeah. Uh, given the fact that most of the squad had the World Cup break, um, if you think about the first game when we came back from that against Fulham, how off the pace we look compared to them, yeah. is that something that you're concerned about too?
0: Yes. Yeah, definitely. And it's hard to tell. I think because of the kind of um, that feeling of frustration that seems to be around as well, it's hard to differentiate what is physical fatigue and what is them not turning up because there's just a kind of frustration about it. There's not that joy in the game. Do you know what I mean? Like I think it's hard watching the game for us to be able to diagnose that, but it's definitely a concern because we're not going to turn around our... Um, our form with heavy legs (laughs) you know and we've we've spoken about it already in this podcast how we we want to see that that level of kind of work rate and like running back in our game that we had last season and we're not going to get that with a load of tired players why they're tired where it's coming from I I, I don't know how easy it is for us to diagnose from afar but it's it's something that needs to change pretty quickish.
1: For sure. Um, just time for a couple more now. Um, so I'll, I'll try and pick a few out. I mean, London Eagle made a really good point about the the home and away form, saying that Patrick Vieira has never quite got the away form going, but home form was excellent, um, but has started to drop. To drop um, and we've got some really tough fixtures ahead. So that's a, an interesting observation and not one I'd thought too much about um bald eagle has really gone full out for the let's let's get rid of the the manager um and give a new manager a chance with this window um more outs and ins but nevertheless parish will do nothing of the uh, of the sort though and the slow slide will continue and and i have to say like you know if if you were if the if the board were to make a change you know there's always an argument to say give them give them the window as well but given them message we've got about the window it wouldn't seem any real po- point in doing that to me anyway for me anyway you wouldn't, you wouldn't be really getting many players in um and given that Patrick Vieira is still working with mostly players that aren't aren't ones he's picked himself uh it would seem a little unfair so look that's that's your view and uh and you're entitled to it but um but it's not one I share right now um likes of, of um Jai and and um you mentioned Matthew earlier but um Rob Baldino, who's got a fantastic name, um, all talking about standing by Patrick Vieira, uh, giving it a bit of time, talking about how much football there is to still to be played. Again, don't look too closely at the fixture list if you're thinking like that, because it is terrifying. Um, but uh, And also, um, uh, where do you know me from? Question mark. That's a good Twitter name. Um, also has said that it's not on Patrick Vieira, um, and that it hasn't, just hasn't been backed. So that seems to be the general theme, um, for sure.
0: And I think I think you can really tell that because I don't think there's any signs whatsoever that the players have any frustration or any lack of trust or faith in what the managers asking them to do or the way that they're all working together. That seems to be fine. I, I can't see that. I, I I just don't see anything that really says that Vieira's is the problem. To be honest.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I really do, and I suppose that in isolation, you look at the the, the game. Um, against Southampton and then you start looking at some of the other results in the FA Cup because you know we are in isolation we know the FA Cup don't we we know it throws out some weird ones I mean what was it today Stevenage beating Villa I think it was um which is just you know honestly that that just should not happen (laughs) at all it just shouldn't happen but they do these results do happen and I'm not trying to suggest that Southampton or Stevenage to our Aston Villa but you know it's frankly not far off is it you know <laughs> given given current form but you know it's it's a very yeah you can treat treat it that way in isolation but because we've had a run of poor results and poor performances at a spelling of the season where we actually really should have been picking up um the fair proportion of our points um, oh. we are relying on us doing what we often do and, and that's picking up some unexpected results and look, fingers crossed we do that and, and these podcasts can get back to being a bit more positive pretty soon but you know i i you know i'm very firmly in the camp that whatever thinking it was was there a few weeks ago about what we're going to do in this current transfer window given that it is a current transfer window <laughs> i think whatever thinking we have around that really should change very very quickly um, because we need we need a similar impact. Do you remember that window where we brought in the likes of, I think, Joe Ledley and Tom Entz and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. Where, and it just it changed the whole season under Pulis almost uh, overnight. And, you know, that, that was just on account of getting some hungry, positive footballers in
2: yeah.
1: who, who put pressure on other people. You
0: yeah, know? And, also- and I think that's what's needed. What what we do in this window impacts the position that we're going to be in to attract players in the summer transfer window as well, because if we then end the season really negatively, like I'm the I, same as you, Hambo. I, I expect us to stay up. I'm not massively concerned about that for this season. But if we go into the summer wanting to, needing to, and wanting to replace quite a lot of our players, who's going to choose us when there's that negative? air around it like if we need something to boost us to a position where we can go into the summer and do whatever business we need to do in the summer with an attractive prospect to actually win those players over i don't see that that's going to be an attractive prospect if we go into it as we are now to be honest
1: i think that's fair i think that's very fair um but anyway i like yeah i'm i'm yeah i don't know i'm trying to think if i'm as optimistic as that
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh i don't think that's going to happen i just think it should
1: (laughs) yeah yeah fair enough fair enough um no i think we'll leave it there um really appreciate all those comments today and um yeah this wasn't uh necessarily an easy one to organize as you can probably guess by the fact it's just me and kara today (laughs) but um i think the enthusiasm has, has potentially waned for for plenty of other people as well given the um given the difficult form and, uh, and yeah. And, and, just frankly, poor performances we're having at the moment. We don't want to say the same stuff every single week. It gets very, very hard to put together a, a podcast when you're doing that. So um fingers crossed we see some some really positive changes in the next few weeks. So thank you for listening to the show. Um and thanks to, to everyone who got in touch for sure. Um so the preview team will be back with you midweek and they'll be looking ahead to the weekend trip to Chelsea for lots of fun and not a terrible defeat or, or anything of the sort. It'll be it'll be great. Actually they lost four 0 to City today and, and Graham Potter has got them playing terribly so um but you know um we've got a bit of a record haven't we of uh of helping people out of bad runs of form so um yeah the the omens aren't good for that one but anyway um and also check out youtube dr's got uh dr patrick t stand a lot of them i've got some fantastic content on there great reactions uh, especially the raw reactions directly after games and things like that so You'll check out back at the nest on YouTube. Subscribe, like, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and until next time, thanks again. Come on, you palace.
2: The Talk Sport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around